Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2349. Today, we're going to be talking about the auctions during Car Week in Monterey and Pebble Beach and a whole lot more. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in uh, Blenheim, Ontario, Canada, with a very special guest by the name of Thatcher Keast. Thatcher, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely, Mark. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You know, we met some time ago, uh, probably during Monterey Car Week, and here we are back talking about this year's events because you guys at RM are going to have some killer cars for sale. I'm going to have to get out my big checkbook, though, to uh, participate. But I always tell people, if you can't buy cars at certain levels, it's always fun to just be a part of it and be there. And before we get into what we're doing here and what we're talking about and a lot about you, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Thatcher? Uh, you know, something that's fun about me that, you know, is not necessarily a business world is uh, I'm, I'm quite the avid Lego collector and sneaker collector. Oh, my gosh. I find in my free time, you know, my brain's always going 100 miles an hour in the auction world. And to, to sit down and, and build something or learn about a new kind of collector hobby has always been fascinating to me. So, yeah, Legos and sneakers. <laughs> there is a friend of mine up here in the Pacific Northwest. He's been on the show. He is a Lego maniac. He built a house that has his own Lego room in it and it's no little room it's a big room and this is before he even had kids so uh you and he would get along well he, he finds it very therapeutic and, and i understand why yeah so why it, it completely takes your brain off of whatever you're stressed about so that that's why i do it and you know it's i like constructing things so it's fun to see a pile of parts become something cool Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, we still have all the Legos that my son played with in our home, saving those for when the grandkids come along and they can come over and, and play with those. But uh, giant bins full of those things. I mean, thousands and thousands. Yeah. I have to admit, every once in a while, I look at them and go, maybe I should get that down and have a little fun and just get away from everything. So Yeah, it's good for you. I might take your lead. And sneakers is another interesting thing. You know how you scroll through Instagram and they send you things that are interesting. For some reason, all of a sudden, I'm getting all these sneaker Instagram videos. And I'm yep. amazed at what sneakers, especially like Air Jordan, sell for. Talk about the auction world. It's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Once once our partnership with Sotheby's like, you know, really bloomed, um, I, I took a liking to the lifestyle department. And I started to learn about all the ins and outs of sneakers and what makes a certain pair more valuable than the others, even though they might look the same. Kind of how I feel about Porsches. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, why is that one a million and a half dollars and that one's only 300? You know, so it's same, same thing with sneakers. You know, it's their limited editions. There's there's certain collaborations. Like, you know, there's all kinds of things. And it's it's a really cool world to be involved in. I was I was involved with the, the first pair of sneakers to sell for over a million dollars. What? We had our auction at the MGM Hotel a couple years ago in Las Vegas, and they sold the, the first pair of um, Air Jordan Airships. So before they were Air Jordans, they were called Airships, and they were the very first pair that he wore. And there was this, I believe it was one, $1. two or $3 million they sold for. It was unbelievable. 
Oh my god! Whoa! Really, really, really cool experience to see that happen. And we had we had some cars in the sale too. It, well, yeah, cars. So, well, I think I'm with you. I'll take Porsches over sneakers, but uh, yeah. just when I thought, well, maybe sneakers are an affordable thing to collect versus Porsches, but. Hearing that, I don't know. It's kind of like Rolex watches and some of these watch yeah. collectors. Same thing. I just, you know, there's a, a place to collect everything for everybody in the world. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in RM in a minute. Let me give you an introduction here. Thatcher Keast is the consignment department manager and auction coordinator at RM Sotheby's, where he oversees consignments and the logistics of making an auction come to life. He began working in the automotive industry at the age of 14 when he started his own automotive detailing business and Selena. Kansas. You and I have something in common there. Uh, at that age is when I started my detailing business. He All soon, right. Yeah, he soon found a mentor in a local car collector and became responsible for maintaining that gentleman's diverse collection of automobiles. It included Shelby's, Porsches, and Brass Era Rolls Royces. And in 2022, he attended the Worldwide College of Auctioneering, where he gained the skills needed to sell cars crossing the block at auctions. He's now a licensed auctioneer, a great addition to the RM Sotheby's roster. We'll be back in just a moment, so get your bidder cards out. We're going to have some fun today, but first, a word from our sponsors. They make that bidding possible here, so give them a little love as well, and we'll be right back. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique 
in very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyad.com or through the website at carsyad.com today to learn more. So Thatcher, we are back. So I want to go back in time a little bit because I mentioned you and I have something in common. Starting a business at a young age, I think you probably discovered like I did. It taught you all sorts of things that you carried forward into your life at this point, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, starting my own business and I, I had probably around 55 to 60 clients that I would look after from month to month. You know, I'd get them on a a regimented program from you know every three weeks and they just drop their car off and I, I had to be responsible to to be there for them when they were available and and most importantly do a good job you know that's not something that you can kind of just do a little bit of and they're like oh that's not good you, it has to be good every time so it, it taught me a really a really good work ethic as well. I think it was a wonderful thing. Plus, you had a lot more money in your pocket as a young kid than most of my peers because you make yep. more money. I had a couple of clients that I, I found out that there was all this fishing fleet. I live in San Diego and these fishermen made a lot of money and they'd go out fishing and their wives would be home. And I actually had my own set of keys to many cars. I would just go over to their house, pick up their car on a Saturday morning drive it home. I got to drive Porsches and Mercedes, Porsche Turbos and all these, even a couple Ferraris. And so, uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool deal. Once I turned 16, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And the, it, for me, it was the satisfaction of it, you know, taking something dirty and making it perfect. I, I could do that every day of my life. Now, this job that you got as we move forward with a gentleman who had a collection, my understanding is that really helped you start to acquire knowledge about cars. And was that kind of the first inklings of working in the automotive business as you got older? Yeah. So as I started my business, I was, you know, doing like my friend's mom's minivans, soccer vans, and, you know, my dad's friends, you know, traveling salesman cars that were just trashed and as I worked through that, I met more people, and I, I came across this gentleman. His name's Roger Morrison, and he uh, he's, he's the main reason of how I got to where I am today. I did not know of his car collection at the time, and he he employed me to clean one of his daily driver cars, which was a Mercedes S550 at the time, and that was the coolest thing in the world to me. I think it was, it was an S550 or AMG of some kind. I can't remember exactly, but he gave me a chance to clean it. And I was thrilled and I, you know, I tried to do the absolute best job I could. And then once, once I did it another time, he said, meet me at this address. I have, I want to show you some things. And that turned out to be his car building, which I had no idea what was in that building. I drove by it a, you know, a thousand times in my life in Salina. From there, I started working for him and I would take care of his entire collection, which at the time was right around 30 cars. So that, that kind of, that kind of put my detailing business aside. You know, not not just, not away, but just not as much as it was because that's a full time job. That's how I got into the classic car world was by detailing soccer mom minivans to polishing the brass tubing on a 1912 Rolls Royce. <laughs> wow, what an opportunity! Well, I was with you I, at first. I did a lot of everything cars and then as i got more and more clients i could be more picky and i remember a lady calling me once and wanting me to do well this, i i'm a lot older than you so they didn't even have minivans back then but uh, <laughs> wanted me to do her station wagon or something and i said you know i don't do domestic cars anymore i only do european sports cars <laughs> and i remember she said what <laughs> and i said she goes you know this is when i was about 17 she goes 
you're just a teenager. What do you mean? And I said, I only do cars I like that are fun and station yeah. wagons aren't that much fun to clean. So yeah, a bit of it. But my dad gave me the idea. He said, well, why don't you hire some workers? They can do the cars you don't like to do and start a business that way. And that's when I learned about the joys and maybe not the joys of having employees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I never went down the employee road for that reason. Yeah. Well, it didn't last very long. And plus, they didn't do the kind of the passion wasn't there. I loved cleaning cars. I still like cleaning cars. So do I. Yeah. So do I. That's yeah. my weekend job. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I keep my wife's car clean and she keeps the laundry done. That's a deal we made 39 years ago when we got that's married. A, that's so, a good deal. Yeah. It worked out pretty well. So let's move forward as you decided to go to an auction university, if you will. You know, I, I knew they, I, I didn't know they existed way back. So tell me about that experience because, I mean, you can go to school to learn to be an auctioneer? Yeah, absolutely. It's called the Worldwide College of Auctioneering. It's in Des Moines, Iowa. And it was it was incredibly difficult than what I had expected in my head. I've always wanted to be an auctioneer. You know, one of my friends and role models is Max Girardo. He was our auctioneer years ago, and he was incredible. I, I remember being in co in college before I had the job and watching these auctions on like Friday and Saturday nights, and my friends were going out to the bars. So I was like, Oh no, Arm's having an auction tonight. I want to watch it. Yeah. And I, I always set a goal for myself to hopefully someday be the auctioneer at RM. I'm still working on it and that's a long process. But yeah, I, I remember I remember watching him in the school. I for some reason I thought it would be like, all right, we're gonna teach you how to how to, you know, sell a car. And it's not that. You learn how to sell cattle, you learn how to sell real estate, you learn how to sell cars, you learn how to sell um, guns, like all different varieties of auctioneer traits are taught to you at the school. And in order to graduate, you have to master each one. And it's all different. And you have to learn how to be a bid spotter. You learn how to, how to clerk. You learn how the auction business works in itself. And the, the most important part of the school is earning, learning auction law. And you have to take a test at the end of the school. And if you don't pass, you don't pass. And see you next year. So it's not just how to talk fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, I mean, that's one of the main components. But um, there's a lot more to it than just learning how to talk fast. You have to learn how to communicate by talking fast. That's, that's what the whole system is about. Yeah, auctions are interesting. My wife and daughter came with uh, my son and I to Pebble Beach Car Week, and they weren't really into cars. So it was more like, well, they could go shopping and do spas. But I said, why don't we go to an auction tonight? And we went to an auction, and I couldn't get them to go. I had to get up early the next morning. And, uh, you know, I said, we need to go back to the hotel. Oh, we don't want to leave. This is exciting. I always yeah. tell people, if you've never been to a live auction, you have to go. And even if you're, you aren't going to bid on anything, it's just fun and exciting to be there. And is that part of the auction business in your mind? It's, 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 I say lathering up the audience, but getting the audience excited about what's coming. Uh, is that one of the key components? And, and how do you, how do you learn that? Is it just your passion coming through? Yeah, it has a lot to do with passion. And it's uh, it's funny you say that because you must have had a really good auctioneer to keep people entertained. That's <laughs> that's one of the most important things. You have to, if you lose your audience's attention, they're not going to sell anything. You have to be a showman. You have to be excited. You can't ever seem tired. You, know, you have to put on a performance. It's not just getting up there and selling someone's property. They're trusting you to do a good job with it. And they get people excited about what they are selling because the auctioneer doesn't own any of the stuff. You know, you're, you're, you're selling other people's property and you have to be excited about that because if you're not, then you're not going to make any money and then you're going to have a disappointed seller. So, so none of that makes sense unless you are an enthusiastic, passionate person about what you're selling. 
Yeah, let's talk a bit about RM Sotheby's because this is a brand name that's been around. Sotheby's, of course, tied to RM has been around. Sotheby's been around forever. And if PV, I think sometimes people go to, they think they're going to RM Sotheby's website and then they see Sotheby's and they go, wait a minute, there's all sorts of things being sold. But RM's in particular, can you talk a little bit about the history of RM Sotheby's and why you chose that as the company to be a part of? Uh, Yeah. I don't know if I would say I chose to be a part of the company. I was lucky to be able to be included in the company. I got, I got you. you. Know, it's a, it's, it's a difficult, difficult world to find yourself in. A lot of that has to do with again Roger, who I worked for, who bought and sold cars from Rob, you know, many, many years ago, and I was always intrigued by it. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I would watch these auctions as, you know, when I was younger and my teenage years and I always dreamt about working here and then I met a person who knew somebody here and then therefore the connection was made and I stayed on top of the person that I knew here and asked for internships and I never got one and are you hiring no we're not it's just been it took a long time and persistence to get to where I am within the company I think you've got to gain a massive amount of knowledge but you touched on the other part of it in my mind you got to be passionate about what you're doing. Mm. And it really comes through when you look at a, a company that has a legacy that RM has. All the people I've met there, and I met so many wonderful people uh, as a part of RM, including yourself, that you can tell these people are really into it. And I think in the car world, those of us who are car people can sniff out a non-car person really fast. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's like when you go to a car dealership to buy a car, and you can tell the guy just isn't behind the car. In fact, most these days, most of us who are car people know more about the cars than the salespeople uh, just because of the massive amount of inf- information out there. But uh, this must have been pretty fun for you. So as you worked through the ranks for somebody that's listening out there would love to be a part of a company like this or be in the auction world, what are the steps you have to go through to get to where you've gotten? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick summary of my kind of time here. It's been seven, eight years I've been here now. I started down in Stewart, Florida, and the first auction I worked, I was doing check-in. I was pushing cars across the block. I was not in communication with any clients at all. I was just pushing cars and parking cars where they needed to be. I did that for a couple years, you know, not making very much money, but I loved doing it. It was a passion of mine. I loved being around the cars and the auction life. It's 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 intoxicating. Like you want once you finish an auction, you're like, all right, when's the next one? So I started pushing cars, and then I moved into a car specialist role, which is consigning cars to auction. And I've done that. I did that for four or five years, I, four, three to four years, I think. And then, uh, and then I got moved. I kind of moved over into more of a management side and running an auction itself. And now I'm to where I am now with the coordination and managing the consignment department with Gord. Uh, so it, it's been, you know, you, it's kind of like the the classic story of I started sweeping floors and now I'm the president of the company. Well. I started pushing cars and now I'm helping these auctions actually come to life and happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, there it goes back to the professionalism of this business and how important it is. And again, you said it well, you're dealing with people's fortunes, if you will. And yep. these days we're starting to see, and I'm going to touch on this next, some collections from older people who are either passed away or they're ready to sell their cars because they're at a point in life where they need to go, you know, I don't want to leave all this burden to my family. It's been mm-hmm. my passion. Um, and so that's really important to people. And they don't want to entrust these things to just anybody. 
Uh, we've all had bad experiences buying and selling cars, probably, if you've bought more than one or two cars. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about what's coming up during uh, Monterey. This is August 17th, 18th, and 19th during, of course, uh, Car Week. Your event is, again, going to be held at Monterey Conference Center, which is a great place, great venue for you guys. It's very professional. I like the ambiance. I like the feeling of it. Let's start with an estate, because I touched on that. Terrence Adderley, quite an amazing collection of cars are going to be sold. Can you touch on a little bit of about this collection of cars and uh, maybe pick one that if you could take it home, which one it would be? Uh, yeah, the, the Adderley Estate is a beautiful, beautiful collection of cars. Um, uh, unfortunately, he, he has passed away and we are working on you know, liquidating the estate for the family and it's been a very long process. Uh, one of my colleagues, Jake, is the one handling that estate and you know every every time these cars come up again or every time they call us to, to sell some more cars, we're always very excited. They're always, you know, top of the top notch restored cars. They're, they've been stored in a beautiful building. You know, they've never been outside in the rain. They're just, they're just incredible assets to add to any collection. You know, mm-hmm. like the fact that these cars have the Terrence E. Adderley name attached to them adds value in itself. Probably the car out of this grouping that I like the most is uh, the DV32, the Stutz. There's two DV32s, I believe. Yeah. So there's a 32, which is kind of gray. And then there's the yellowish, green, tan combination. Yeah, it's the Victoria by Rolston, the convertible. It's We had that car up here at RM just a couple weeks ago, getting it ready for auction, you know, kind of servicing it and getting it ready to go. And I just, for some reason, that car just struck me. I, I The lines of it, I walked around it, the way it sounds when it's running, the, and the overall condition of it is it's it's unbelievable. I love it. And for you, you're a younger guy. Is there a period of car that really touches your your fancy, if you will, that you like to go to? Or are you or are you surprised when you like a car like an old Stutz? And you go, wow, I'm kind of surprised I like that. Well, I was I was fortunate at a young age to be exposed to pre-war cars. You know, Roger had he had a 1912 Ghost, he had a 24 Ghost. He's got a he has a, a Bentley, a, a super early Bentley. He had several come through the collection when I was there, so I got to understand and really appreciate the beauty and mechanical engineering of these cars, which is why I like them. Um, and here at RM, you know, we we get a lot of pre-war stuff. And every every time you get in a Duesenberg, which I know most people don't, and that sounds ridiculous saying that, <laughs> yeah. but every time I get into one, I just I just think of how incredible the car itself is. You know, there's no computers in it. There's nothing telling you that your tire's flat. There's nothing beeping at you. There's no sound system. It's just a pure mechanical device that is artistically brilliant. And that that's what I appreciate the most about them. It's like a fine uh, mechanical watch versus yeah. a digital watch or something, you know, or, or a Apple phone or Apple watch or whatever it is. I mean, it's just there's all this handmade element elements of it and i always tell people that's the other part fun part of going to auctions is you get to learn about these cars because you always have people there that they can come up and ask questions and it's it's almost better than going to a car show in many cases because the variety and the caliber of cars is so high there's another interesting group of cars that you're selling what you call the ultimate barn find yes a couple ferraris found in a, a barn that kind of blew down now i remember when that happened and there was pictures all over the internet of that collection and now the collection's being sold so tell us a little bit about this really unique collection of ferraris it's really different than the adderley type cars right yes 
Yeah, this this uh, the Lost and Found collection is actually my my personal project for Monterey this year. Um, I've been looking after it since we started negotiating with the the guy who owns it. It's um it's a really cool thing, Mark. To be honest, I remember the the first time I went down and saw the cars in the building that they're in. Like I was just at a loss for words. You know, there's there's 330 GTSs in there. There's Testarossas. There's 275 six carb alloy car. There's a, a 500 Mondial chassis in there. It's just, it's unbelievable to see them in this state. They're untouched. They're unrestored. They've had a barn fall on them. They've been moved. And it's, it's when, we, when we bring these cars out to the public and you see the way that we're going to display them, I'm hoping it breaks the car world internet. <laughs> well, I think it will. But what's fun about it for me is everyone thinks, oh, every car that could be found could be found. There's no more barn finds. And then something like this happens. And you yep. go, what? And exactly. You, it makes you scratch your head going, why? Why did somebody, I we know why they would have all the cars because they had the means and they collected them. But why would they have been in that situation? And I mean, there's so many stories, right? That's the fun part. Yeah, when I spoke, I asked I asked the owner that. I said, "Why why why'd you leave them in this condition? Like why why this way?" And he said his answer was, "These are like children to me. I've owned them for 30 to 40 years, and it's hard to let your children go away." And he said, "I didn't necessarily have the means or the desire to restore them, but I still want to keep them." And I said, "I I understand. I understand." That's why sometimes when people see a car out in a field on a farm and they're traveling and they stop and knock on the door and the guy goes, nah, I don't want to sell that. Go, yeah. But it's just rotting in the field. Yeah. But I've had that forever. That was my dad's car, you know? Yeah. Like, but, but I could take it and baby it. Yeah. But it's not yours. It's mine. So, yeah. So, uh, it's not for sale. So go Sorry. away. Yeah. It's just, it's hard for some of us car people to comprehend it, but I understand. I think, uh, you know, I, I know a guy that works at RM that, collect sneakers and Legos. So he probably doesn't want to let them go either. So there you go. Another interesting collection uh, or car, uh, Steve McQueen. You've got a car that belonged to him. Tell us about that. Yeah, that that's a, you know, that's kind of a movie poster car yeah. kind of thing. I mean, it really, it really is. Yeah. I mean, anything with the Steve McQueen name attached to it, the King of Cool, is automatically 50% cooler than it already is. And a 275 GTB is already pretty dang cool. So to, to have the, the king of cool 275 in your collection, that opportunity might happen once every 30 to 50 years. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty special piece of automotive history. And my understanding is he bought that car new. Yeah, he bought this car new in 1967. So he's, you know, not only did he want this car. He thought it was cool. And for him to think it's cool means something, something about this car is special. And, you know, truly it is one of the most beautiful front engine Ferraris ever made. It's just, it's just timeless. Yeah. Pretty darn cool. Well, we could talk forever about the many, many cars coming to auction, but I'll, I'll encourage you folks to go to the RM Sotheby's website. I'll put links to it on Thatcher show notes page. You can go and check out all the cars that are going to be available, but better yet, get yourself down to Monterey in August. 17th, 18th, and 19th, and participate and be there uh, to see some of these wonderful cars. But we got to talk a little bit about your car passion here, Thatcher, because uh, I had Gord on the show a few weeks ago. He had been on the show before, so I was kind of picking my questions and modifying them a bit to the car collection. But you're a first-time guest here, so I want to ask you first and foremost this. When you look at 
your special cars, cars you've had in your life. Is there one car that stands out? You know, not really that I've owned, but there's a couple cars in mind, uh, one of them not being a car at all. I grew up on in western Kansas with, you know, my parents were both farmers. So I, I grew up as a kid always going out to the farm and kind of, you know, working through wheat harvests and, you know, taking care of cattle and stuff like that. So there's this one 19, I don't know the exact year, but it's a early 1980s GMC wheat truck. Okay. And it was this big old beat up thing. And the reason it's special to me is because I'll never forget my grandfather taught me how to drive a manual transmission in it. And I, I remember, I'll never forget that. And the difference between having the wheat truck loaded and when it was empty and driving it, I learned all of that. Never, never forget that, that piece of machinery that, you know, to anybody else is just an old work truck. That's, that's a special truck to me. The great thing about cars is the story behind cars and the experiences yes. and the emotion that it brings back. And to have that kind of a history with that vehicle uh, as a kid and your grandfather, yeah, uh, pretty darn special. But I think you're the first one to mention 1980s GMC wheat truck. To that I, believe, I believe that I have. There, there's one other car I kind of talked about. I, it was uh, it was before I was really into the car world. I was probably, you know, I was at least 16 because I was driving. And uh, I had a, a date to go to prom. I didn't have a car, so I went. I was. I played. I played golf as a kid, and I was friends with the guy that owned our local Ford dealership. So I, I went out there and I asked him, like, "Can I can I borrow one of your used Mustangs for prom?" And he said, "Do you know how to drive a manual transmission?" And I hadn't done it in a long, long time. And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, I do." And I got in this 2006 Mustang, and I somehow got it home. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget it. My mom got in it, and I didn't know that my mom could drive a manual transmission, and she ripped the daylights out of this Mustang, and I <laughs> was blown away by it. So then, so then further, after my grandfather taught me, my mom helped refine my skills on learning how to drive a manual transmission. So, you know, the 1980s GMC wheat truck and a 2006 Ford Mustang uh, – completely opposite things, but two very special cars in my life. Well, that's a pretty cool story. You, you brought back a memory because my senior prom, my mom had a friend who had just bought uh, one of the first 924s. Remember that portion of yeah. 924s that came out, which in my mind wasn't a 911. So it was kind of this goofy thing, but he offered to let me drive that car to prom. And I grew up in Southern California and I lived in La Jolla, but our prom was over on Coronado Island at the Hotel oh, Dell, cool. which is a beautiful place. And so I got to drive my date all the way from La Jolla over the bridge, downtown San Diego, and then into Coronado. And uh, yeah, I felt like I was kind of a king driving a new Porsche over to prom. So of course, the yeah, whole time I was petrified something might happen to it too. So uh, when I pulled up, the the valets came and I said, could you park that somewhere nice for me? And the guy was like, oh, this kid driving a Porsche, gee whiz. I go, it's not mine. Yeah. It's a loner. And he's like, okay. So they parked it right in front. So I thought that was pretty nice. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist here at Thatcher. And I know you've listened to Cars Yeah, so you know where we're going here. Yep. If you were reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and why? That's an easy question for me. It's this original, unrestored 65 Shelby GT350. Okay, I got to ask why. With all the all the patina, you know, no new seats, the original interior, just the way it came out of LAX, just the way it was. Uh, the reason for that is I feel that my family can relate to the way that car was created. And my, my family were farmers. We never had piles of money. You had to work every day of your life so you could eat the next day. And... 
I see a lot of that in the 65 Shelby and because of how Carroll built his company and what he had to go through to even make that car exist. You know, that was his blood, sweat and tears in that. And I take a lot of pride in my family and coming from that kind of background. And someday I hope to have one for that very reason. Well, I love the story. My father grew up on a farm in Texas, uh, super hardworking. Uh, yeah, I understand all of that. I often say that's where I got my work work ethic uh, because I remember my grandfather coming to visit us once, driving all the way from Texas to San Diego, California. And about three days in, he said, well, we got to go home. And I'm like, you just got here. He said, Mark, the cows don't go on vacation. I got to get back to the, the cows because yep. <laughs> he had wheat and ca- yeah. So yeah, I understand. Uh, and I got to visit his farm a few times, not as many times as I'd hoped, but uh, uh, I think I could have learned a lot, a lot more from him. I just never got to know him. He was just too far away, uh, but that would be great. You know, I had a 66 fastback that had been built into a clone GT350. And I know in your your auction world, eh, you might go, hey, a clone. But this car was done really, really nice. And I tell you, I've had lots of cars, mostly European cars. That car was fun. I drove that to work every day for about three years. And everybody loves those cars. Thumbs up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I hope you do get your uh, GT350 someday. I have a feeling that's going to happen. Is there a great book you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I'm not much of a big reader, but I have read a book and, and, <laughs> well, that's uh, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a book or two. Uh, the one that kind of stuck out to me, I read a uh, shoe dog by, well, there's a story about Phil Knight and Nike. Yeah, that makes that's sense. A, that's a, that's a cool, motivating, interesting book. Yeah. I and love that book. Yeah. It, incredible. I mean, people look at Nike and they go, oh, just big, giant, you know, successful company. They have no idea. Kind of like Ralph Lauren, what he went through. To yeah. make his company what it was, selling ties out of a, the back of a car, going into yeah, Macy's. Selling, selling running shoes to marathon runners in the trunk of his car. And uh, yeah. Now yeah. it's a billion dollar business. Did you see the movie about how they did the deal with Jordan? Um, no, I have not seen that yet, but I've had a lot of friends tell me like, dude, you got to go see that. That's, yeah. yeah. It's good. I was in Arizona uh, visiting my uh, my grandson, and uh, we watched it one night, my brother-in-law and I, and a fascinating story about, I mean, talk about taking massive risk. At the time, <laughs> it seems like it was a brilliant idea, right? But massive risk for that company. Putting all of the eggs in one basket is the definition of that story. But if you're going to put it in a basket, put it in Michael Jordan's basket. But <laughs> but again, nobody, he, he wasn't even playing that much. Nobody really even knew, like what he would have become. But uh, I don't want to give anything away. Just go watch the movie. You'll yeah, be amazed at kind of the ending and how it all ha- came together. So let's go on the ultimate drive, Thatcher. I'm an enabler. I get out the big cars you have checkbook. I'll park anything in your driveway. You can take it anywhere. And you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us. So what is the ultimate drive? Look for, like for a guy who's been around some ultimate cars. Uh, you know, it's a pretty simple answer for me. Um, you know, a lot. It's not really a specific person that I would take. It'd be it'd be the group of my closest friends. Oh, nice. And the reason the reason I say that is because a lot of my friends know what I do, but they don't really know what I do. You know, they know that I sell old cars and I work for an auction company, but they don't know that I get to experience what these million dollar cars are truly like to drive. So I, I would like to take, you know, three of my best friends for a drive in a 289 Cobra because that's <laughs> it's the most visceral driver's car there is, in my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree and there'll be a lot of people that do agree. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's nothing that sounds and requires your attention to driving like a 289. 
And I don't really know if I would talk to them. I would just kind of try to scare them a little bit (laughs) and get them to understand what these machines are capable of doing, even though they're from the 60s. Right. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't be able to hear you if you were talking anyway. No, no. Like there's there's nothing today that can you can no no modern car that can compare to that. There just isn't. Yeah. I've only been able to drive uh, some of the many really nicely built uh, replicas like the Superformance replica of those cars. But I have been able to go for a ride as a passenger in a couple real ones. Um, And compared to the 427, I like the 289 better, quite honestly. 289 is more fun, in my opinion. Yeah. But I can see those cars can be put in the wrong hands can be very, very dangerous and dicey cars. You oh, can, yeah. They have a lot of respect. When you think about folks racing those things back in the day, oh my gosh. I mean, it's like jumping on the back of a wild buck and bronco. That's exactly right. And I, I want to show that to as many people as I can. Yeah. Well, there you go. You can park that next to your GT350. I think those right. will look pretty nice. The together. ultimate garage for me. Uh, the ultimate garage, for sure. You have taken us on a wonderful trip today, Thatcher, and I want to thank you for spending some time with me. I'm glad we're finally able to get together uh, on a Cars Yeah. And I want to do a shout out to your uh, colleagues, Ethan and Kate. They're the ones that got you on the show here today. So thank you, you too. And again, if you uh, listeners missed my talk with uh, Gord, go back. He was a couple weeks ago. You'll find him in the Cars Yeah alumni archives. Before I let you go today, could you share some parting? thoughts some words of wisdom with us uh yeah i you know i kind of put a lot of thought into that um it's a it's kind of a deep thing but you know my my grandfather always taught me this um is that he told me he told me one time is like you know we all go through different difficult things in our life and it's important to approach them with the mindset of the devil stands behind you so i always i always use that to face my fears head on you know whether that's getting ready to go on stage at an auction that's a scary thing, you know, being in front of a room of 3,000 people and getting ready to sell somebody else's property. That's a scary thing. Tell that, th- you know, stand behind me. I'm going to face this head on. Um, and it's important to understand that the people in your life that are around you support you. People do change. And if things are worth fighting for, they're they're worth fighting for. Great lessons. Uh, again, your grandfather uh, sounds like an awesome guy. That's very, yeah. very cool. How can people learn more about RM Sotheby's and the upcoming, well, not only the auctions taking place in Monterey, August 17th, 18th, and 19th, but you've also got a lot of other auctions happening as well. Oh, gosh. we the, the, Our calendar at the end of the year is, is blowing up. There's, you know, we've got Monterey in August. We've got St. Moritz in September. We've got Hershey in October. We've got London in November, and we're going to be having an announcement here in a couple couple weeks about two more auctions that we're adding so it's just it's on and on the best way to keep up to date is just check out our website armsotheby's.com definitely i'd encourage you listeners to go there you can sign up to receive notifications from them so that you can uh, uh, get teased and uh taunted by all the many auctions they're having your freaking flyer miles must be uh overloaded with all the travel you get to do but i mean you think back to your life of being around cars playing with cars as a kid and now you get to travel all over the world not only to see all these wonderful cars but meet all the wonderful people associated with them i would think that's the best part of what you do it is and that's the part i'm most grateful for are the people because once once you can get into the industry that it takes care of you it's a it's a very it's a very special place to be in a professional life it's very cool very great well congratulations to where you've come and where you're going thanks for being so generous today thatcher with your time and your expertise so glad we were able to get together until you and i talk again i'll see you down the road hopefully at an rm sotheby's auction absolutely thank you mark you're welcome 
If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!